0: So we are now in our fifth week going through the book of Exodus, uh, and each week we've been asking this question, you know, what does it mean for us to be the restored people of God? What does it look like for us as a church? What does it look like for us as individuals? You know, we're coming out of a season where we spent several months talking about the vision for the future and the, the work we ought to be doing, so now we can kind of ask ourselves, what does this look like, and that's what we're going through in the book of Exodus Uh, The last two weeks, for those of you who may not have been here, we were in chapters 3 and 4, and we kind of laid a foundation for what does our restoration look like? What does it entail? What is it built upon? And we are reading the conversation between God and Moses in the burning bush, and then Moses going to start to live it out. And it... I'll recap it real quick because it provides the basis for where we're at today. But we said that our foundation for God's restoration is is four things. It's knowing who God is. It's entering into his presence to worship him. It's submitting our lives to God's authority. And it's living faithful to his revealed will, which is taking the step before us that he has given us to take. So in in Exodus chapter 5, we kind of see the story of this playing out. And it's interesting that as it plays out, it doesn't really go as expected from Moses and the Israelite foreman. In fact, it's a lot more difficult than they thought. So in the, in the story of what's taking place in Exodus 5, as we're keeping in mind it's, it's building on this foundation of what a restoration looks like, it's a good morning for us to say, okay, if we are undertaking God's restoration work, and, and that may be as a church where we're living faithful to our vision, that may be as individuals, we're just trying our best to follow God, and things get really, really difficult, how do we respond? And and I promise, and I, I need to give you guys a little bit of a disclaimer, I, I, we cannot fully answer the question this morning, so, so Exodus 5 is not your textbook for everything, but you see Moses and the people living faithful to what God has put in front of them to do. And you see it get very hard, very difficult, very fast. And it's many of you may feel like you are in that, that situation as well this morning, that you feel like you are following God to the best of your ability. And and it, it's one of the hardest, if not the hardest, season of your life that you are going through. And, and what we're really going to do as we read through chapter 5, we're going to pay attention to... When you see Moses and the Israelite foreman, what are their responses back to Pharaoh? Because it's in their responses to the hardship in front of them. You see these, these people are really trying to follow God, but there are there's some, I call them wrongful, but maybe unhelpful is a better word. There's some unhelpful assumptions that they have that they're, they're causing them to kind of miss the fact that God still is at work even in the midst of their hardship. So this, this may be an, an interesting direction to go, but as, as I was studying this, I thought this, this is hopefully going to be helpful and encouraging to you guys that as we step into a new season of life and ministry together as a church, the work is probably not all going to be smooth, uh, and, and especially for you guys as individuals, you may be in seasons where life is not necessarily smooth. And so looking at the responses of the men today, seeing some assumptions that we may have that are, are, are kind of wrong and kind of unhelpful. They don't lead us to see God's presence in our midst, in our suffering. We're going to try to call those out this morning as, as God works through Moses and these men and, and calls these to the tension in their lives. So uh, again, this is, not, this is not your textbook answer for everything. This is, I, I, we can't cover all of it. And I'm sure there's more assumptions too, but the three ones we're going to look at today from Exodus chapter 5 are this. We wrongfully or unhelpfully assume that we will gain earthly comfort, we will maintain earthly standing, or we will bear immediate fruit in God's restoration work. Sometimes when we take up being faithful to God, we can can assume, and maybe you wouldn't say, well, yeah, I I think that. Maybe not in in those words so much, but in the response we're going to see, sometimes we tend to think we'll gain earthly comfort, we'll maintain earthly standing, or we'll bear immediate fruit when we take up God's restoration work. And and church this is not intended to say shame on you for thinking that way but but as God is revealing these things and bringing these things to light in the hearts of Moses and the foreman God's bringing them to light so he can he can address them which is hopefully what we are going to get to see today from chapter 5. So we will let's let's pray let's read the chapter and then we will we'll pay careful attention to the responses and we'll see what we learn today. God we are grateful that you you meet us where, you, where we are. Lord, that you know the suffering and the hardships that we go through. God, that you so, so gently and patiently and lovingly, you correct us. God, you show us where in our hearts we may, we may struggle, we may wrestle with different things that keep us from your presence. And Father, it is, it is out of your loving discipline that, that you bring us even closer into a right relationship with you. So, Father, I pray that you would keep our hearts and our minds open before you this morning. As we hear your word, God, give us understanding in your Holy Spirit to see, you know, this is one of those places where it's, we get to read the narrative story and, Lord, there may not be, you know, explicit commands for us to follow, but, but God, Moses includes this in this chapter for a very specific purpose as he's trying to show who you are to his audience. Lord, may you lead us to understand where Moses is going today. In your holy name we pray. This is Exodus chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of of the land, referring to the Israelites, are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people And their foremen, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. So let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people... Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task each day, as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle. You are idle. That is why you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, You shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron, who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, The Lord, look on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, "O Lord, why have you done evil? Why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done, again, evil to this people. And you have not delivered your people at all. Not necessarily a happy place for us to leave off this morning, but church, a place where we are going to get to learn a lot, hopefully about ourselves, as we're learning about Moses and the Israelite foremen. So beginning in, at the at Exodus chapter 5, verse 1, you see in the first four verses that Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh. And, and this is what God had told them to do a past, uh, the past couple of chapters. He said, you're going to go before Pharaoh. You're going to ask him to release the people into the wilderness that they may go and worship and sacrifice to me, and, and they're faithful to do this. And Pharaoh's response, he says, Who's this God? I don't know this God. No, there's, I'm not going to let you go. Like, why, why would you think that? And, and this is done to fulfill what God told Moses in Exodus 3.18. He said, You and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of Hebrews, has met with us, And now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. So Moses and Aaron are being faithful to what God told them to do. And it's playing out exactly as God said it would. Continues in verses 5 through 9. Pharaoh not only tells them no. He says, you know, the reason you're asking this is because you're lazy. And you have too much free time on your hands. So I'm going to make sure you have plenty of work to do. And Pharaoh comes up with this plan to take away all the straw that he had been giving to Israel to make the bricks. And he said, you're now going to have to make the same number of bricks, but you're going to have to go collect your own materials in order to do it. Uh, Those of you with construction backgrounds, materials backgrounds, you know how difficult it is to go get the things for yourself, let alone actually produce the same number. So this is an impossible ask of the people. And this, again, fulfills Exodus 3.19. God tells Moses, but I, God, know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So he tells Moses, as you are faithful, Pharaoh will tell you no. And it's going to be the work that I do that will convince Pharaoh otherwise. And so, again, they're being faithful to follow. Things are going as God planned. Now, I do think it is interesting, church, God never told Moses and Aaron, life is going to get really hard when you are faithful to follow me. He says, yes, Pharaoh's heart is going to be hardened, and yes, I will do the work of convincing Pharaoh. But he doesn't doesn't give Moses this detail of, by the way, you're going to have to do all the work and basically double that in the same amount of time. It's going to be an impossible task. God, God doesn't tell Moses that. And, and church, I really the only thing I, I, I have I, and I can see in here to say about that is all glory be to God as to why he reveals or, or does not reveal things to us. That, that there may be times where God makes everything crystal clear. Like we talked about last week, sometimes God just gives us the beginning and the end and doesn't really give us in the middle because it, we're faithful to take the next step in front of us. And it could have been God knew, hey, if I tell Moses and my people who are already living as slaves, that it's going to get even harder if they take this restoration work. They may not want to do it. Okay, so so that could be a reason. I think it's a, a decent one. But, but truly, all glory be to God as to why he does or does not reveal these things to us. And, and as you see the foreman going to Pharaoh and responding to Pharaoh, we get this first uh, unhelpful, wrong uh, assumption. That we wrongfully assume that we will gain earthly comfort as we take up God's restoration work. That is, as God is making things better internally for us, then that means externally, yes, things also would necessarily be getting better. You see that as as the Israelites start to try to live out this this new reality that they've been given in verses 10 through 14, it's not going well. And the foreman of the Israelites, who, who are Israelites, they're Israelites that God has appointed, well, that Pharaoh put over the Israelites to basically make sure you know, they were doing the task that was set before them. They're getting beaten now because they can't fulfill an impossible task. And in verse 15, you see the first response. The foreman of the Israel came and cried to not God, but to Pharaoh very interesting that they do not go to God in their hardship they go to Pharaoh and they basically tell Pharaoh why are you treating us like this you know this is impossible this is this is your fault you need to fix this that they they're seeking essentially a, a earthly kind of reconciliation and an earthly thing of of things getting better and, and I keep I, I, it's been amazing to me how much we end up coming back to this, but you guys remember from Ephesians chapter 6 where we talked about our battles are not flesh and blood, but they're spiritual. It is interesting that they don't go to God. They assume that this, this struggle they face is an earthly one, so they, they go to the earthly guy to seek an earthly restoration. They say, Pharaoh, you just just make our lives Israel easier. Take back the order. We, we can't fulfill it. And it's interesting because, like we said earlier, God never tells Israel, following me is going to make things easier. But when things get harder, the Israelites assume something is wrong. And, and church, I, I think it's, it's an unhelpful assumption for us to make this because as things are getting harder, they're not going to God, they're going to... Pharaoh, so because they have this this unhelpful assumption, they're missing out on the work that God is doing in their lives. And and I can see how this this sometimes blends over into the way we as Christians uh, make decisions and we evaluate the decisions that we have made in our world. You know, we, we look at things like what's going to be most comfortable, what's going to probably be the easiest thing for us to do, what's the path of least. Resistance, right? Totally makes sense from a, a business perspective, but it's it's not always the right choice to make here when it comes to our faith. I've I've seen this personally where when Abigail and I really were praying about stepping into a season of transition to get ready for the next season of ministry. Before we even knew we were coming here, we, we just really felt like God was leading us to to step away and to prepare for what He had coming next and it was right as we were sharing that decision with with family members, uh, w- with leaders at Bethlehem telling them, hey we're really feeling this we need to, to step out and to prepare to get ready. man that, that was the hardest season of life and ministry that we had had up until that point. We had we had our only car get totaled in an accident. We had a couple thousand dollars of, of bills of hospital things we were having to pay off with the son we were in the middle of trying to refinance on the house so we're having to prove we can still pay a mortgage uh, when we don't have any income coming in like from an earthly perspective of 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 comfort or of ease or of lack of resistance it was a absolute foolish move to take that step and yet if we had only purely been thinking along those lines we would have missed the work that God was doing in our lives now, I do I do want to be very careful this morning because just because that assumption, right, we wrongfully assume we will gain earthly comfort in God's restoration work. Just because that is not true, it doesn't mean the alternatives are true, okay? Uh, please, I don't I don't think we can read this text and say uh, that that hardship is always a sign that we're living faithful, okay? Just because something's hard doesn't mean, that we're not faithful, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are being faithful, okay? And the second one, it doesn't mean that God doesn't care about our comfort, right? The, the following Christ is always going to be the, the most, that God doesn't care about where you are and what you are going through. Okay, that, that's, Those two are not necessarily true either. We Moses includes this story and the responses of these, these men before Pharaoh just to show us that This particular assumption, this one that, well, as we're faithful to following God, things should be getting easier, that is is not necessarily the case. And church, I mean, again, consider the context of, of the chapter. God's plan is unfolding. God's will is being upheld. He is doing exactly what he said. But because the men have this thought in their minds, they're totally missing it. They're totally missing out on what God is doing. So what this, this practically looks like for us churches as we move into new seasons of life and ministry together as a church and as individuals, I just want to encourage you guys, don't assume that if things get hard that it's, that you're, it's necessarily punishment or neglect. That as, as we are doing our best to live faithful To the work that God has called us to, and again, you know, we have we have the vision of you know being a people loving as Christ, learning from Christ, living in Christ. If our battles are spiritual battles, there is an enemy that does not want us to be drawing closer to God. We should expect it's not necessarily going to be easy. So when hardships come up in the spiritual battles that we are engaged in, it's not that God is necessarily punishing us, and it's not that God is neglecting us, but we are walking faithful to what God has for us to, to do. And so what we ought to do is what we don't see the Israelite foreman do is we need to bring all of this, as, as John and the team saying, to bring these things to God, to bring our sorrows, to bring our pain, to, to bring our hurt, to bring it to the Lord and to lay it down that he may you know, show us the next step and continue to bring us his joy. So the first response we see from the Israelite foreman, we ought not wrongfully assume we will gain earthly comfort. The second response comes immediately afterwards. So as you continue on looking back at chapter 5, you see as they respond to Pharaoh, they say, Look, Pharaoh, this is your fault that we can't come up with this. You need to go back and reevaluate your own plans. Pharaoh, verses 17 and 18, says, no, actually, the fault is with you. You guys are just lazy people. And so I, you should be able to meet the demands that I've given you. And in verse 19, you see that kind of the realization that things are going to be really difficult from here on out is settling in with the foreman. They, they see that, they, the, verse 19, the foreman of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble. Said, this is not going away. Pharaoh's not going to change his mind. We got to do something else. So what did they do? Second response of the Israelite foreman, they go to meet with Moses and Aaron in verse 20 and listen to what they say. Verse 21, the Lord look on you and judge. God look down and see what these men are doing because Moses and Aaron, what you are doing is wrong. This is not what God would want. God would not want our lives to be miserable because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh. Pharaoh and his servants. I don't know, I, I can't help but when I read this, just think of all the youth trips we would take and the collective stench of middle schoolers in a room together that don't shower, that this is, this is the picture of what's taking place, that, that they are a literal stench in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants. They say, not only are you guys wrong at what you are doing, we had a good relationship with Pharaoh. I mean, yes, we were his slaves, but it was easier for us to live at peace with Pharaoh as his slaves than to now live in the tension of this restoration work that, that they're doing. This is what they're, they're telling Moses and Aaron. In the last part of that verse, and they have, you have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Moses and Aaron, what you have done is going to cause us to be dead. This is all your fault and this this response comes from the second unhelpful wrong assumption that God's restoration work allows us to maintain earthly standing. Uh, another way to say it is that it just doesn't cost us anything. Right that that we won't have to lose or give up anything as we are following God's God's restoration work. And I think this it makes sense coming from the foreman because these were these were men in a leadership position and they were It's not necessarily a comfortable leadership position, but they had authority over the people. These are the men that are being beaten along with the people for the task not being fulfilled. So they are suffering in their leadership, and they say, surely God would not let us be suffering in such a way that we would be losing this this leadership, this relationship we had with Pharaoh. We used to be good with him. Now we're a stink. Surely God's restoration work would not include that taking place. Essentially, it's it's hard for me to wrap my mind around, but what they're they're telling (laughs) Moses and Aaron is that it would be better for them to live at peace with Pharaoh, but as his slaves, than for them to live in God's restoration, work, but live at tension with Pharaoh. They valued their earthly standing, just where they were at in their lives, above the work that God was trying to do. In church, I think we, some ways that we struggle with this, not necessarily as a church, maybe sometimes, especially as individuals, we we operate out of this assumption when, when we are afraid to lose something in the process of following God. Uh, sometimes it's it's security, right? Well, surely God wouldn't cause me to, call me to do something where I it would threaten my like my financial stability or, or my earthly resources, that his calling never puts me in a position there where I, I may lose something. Sometimes we're afraid to lose earthly momentum where God doesn't really want me to rock the boat with this. Things really aren't that bad. Or, you know, I've seen this work in the past, so I don't really feel like now's the time to change something. Like, we just we don't want to lose the momentum of where we're at. Sometimes we're afraid to lose earthly position where surely God wouldn't cause me to lose my job and not necessarily for standing up for what you believe in but God may say hey I need you to alter your career path so that you can better serve you know me and and the or the family that I've given you you know it's it's not necessarily losing the job entirely it may just be changing the job but surely God wouldn't call me to do that or to you know step out of a leadership position in a community thing or at the church surely God wouldn't caused me to lose my earthly position in, in his restoration work. And, church, I think the way you, you really practically see this living out is when you feel like you're losing something, how do you tend to respond? You fight to take it back, right? It's so so common do we, we kind of hear this thread bubbling up in the Christian community of what are we losing and what do we need to fight to take back. And it is interesting to me to see this mentality in the lives of the foremen telling Moses and Aaron what you have called us to do that's causing us to lose things we are used to having surely cannot be of God. When we have seen throughout the entire chapter it is playing out exactly as God described it to be. It is an unhelpful assumption that does not lead us into God's Presence And so, church, how we can hopefully practically address this moving forwards, I think it will be helpful for us to, again, don't assume that losing something on earth is not part of God's restoration work. Again, I'm not saying every time you lose something, it is part of the restoration work, or every time you don't lose something, it isn't. We're not making all of those big statements. We're just saying don't just assume that losing something means that God is no longer at work. Just just as we sang in the song, we might not feel it, we might not see it, but that does not mean that God is not at work. Church, we can trust, and we will see this in the coming chapters. Again, this is why I said we can't cover all of it this morning. We will see, we can trust God uses loss to, to restore not just us, but the people around us into a deeper, more right relationship with him. Sometimes it's hard for us to see because loss is very personal. But God, it doesn't just use our loss to bring us into a closer, more right relationship with him. He draws the people around us as well along with that. And church, I think another very important thing for us in this is we have to learn to value his kingdom over our kingdom over our kingdom in our church, in our kingdom in our country, our kingdom in any scenario. There's a very powerful quote from some of the early church fathers when they were facing earthly persecution. They said, of course, of course they have to kill us because there's nothing else we have that we value as much as the kingdom of God. The mentality in the earthly church was so much That there is nothing in this world that anybody could take from me that will keep me from following God. That the early church was persecuted to the point of death because their persecutors realized we could take their houses, we can take their land, we could take their ability to meet, we can scatter them across the globe. There is nothing we can do to stop them because they are so committed to Christ. And so it made sense. it's mind blowing to me. It made sense to the early church that they would be put to death because of how tightly they valued the kingdom of God above anything else. That they were they really truly said, "You guys can take whatever you want. I mean, you cannot touch the kingdom of God. That is that is as Christ said at, at hand." Church, it is as we. Move forwards, and we experience hardship. We it 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 will probably be tough. Um, I I've heard many of your backstories, and and many of you have had years of experience with this already. So I will get to lean and learn from many of you as to this. But but we will be valuing God's kingdom over our earthly kingdom because I mean, God. Just as we were singing, is is the work of our Father in making us and and everyone right with Him? Is that not worth whatever we, we would be having on earth. As we move now down into the last two verses, you, now you get to see Moses' Moses's response. And at this point, you may be thinking, okay, surely Moses who saw God talking to him in a burning bush, that's a pretty big deal. Surely Moses may have a different response to the hardship that's in front of him. In verses 22 and 23 now, we see Moses not only kind of probably struggles with the first two assumptions of the foreman, he adds another layer to this. Moses turns to God and says, Oh, Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you send me? These are two classic questions we love to ask God when we are in hard moments, right? Why are you doing this? Why am I here? Why, Why did you send me here? Verse 23, Moses recaps what he's seen. He says, look, God, I've been faithful. I came to Pharaoh. I've spoken in, in your name. And what's happened is is evil. And then I, I love his kind of, oh, by the way, at the end. He says, oh, by the way, God, you've not delivered your people at all. Just in case you weren't aware, God, of what's been taking place, you haven't done what you said you would do yet. I mean, you, you hear this. In Moses, where he's coming to God and he's saying, I've held up my end of the bargain, God. I did what you asked me to do. You told me to go to Pharaoh to say all this stuff, do these signs. I I did that, God. Why have you not held up your end of the bargain? Why are the people, why is it not only it hasn't gotten better, why is it getting worse? And, And it's interesting to see Moses so justified in his own eyes that not only is what God doing not helpful, but he calls it evil. He, is a, he, he feels like he has the ability to tell God that what God is doing is against what God should be doing. Yet, again, we see it as playing out exactly as God told Moses it would from chapter 3. It's the assumption that we will bear immediate fruit, that we do what God has called us to do, so God will hold up his end of the deal. We will see results immediately. I mean, it's a well-known marketing strategy. If you want a book or an article to sell or you know, generate clickbait online, that you got to present a process or a practical solution to an overwhelming problem, right? Something like, uh, four quick steps to save your marriage, five easy ways to overcome anger, something like that, right? We we kind of condition ourselves as people to say, if there's a problem, there should be a, a process, some some steps we ought to take to overcome that problem. And, and if we don't get the desired results at the end like we think we should, or if the process is difficult, well, we blame the process, right? That, well, one of the steps wasn't right. Or like it's it's whoever told me to do this, it's it's their fault that things aren't playing out like we thought we should. This is exactly what we see in Moses. He says, God, I've done everything you've told me to do, and it's getting worse. So clearly, God, the fault is with you. You are the one that's allowing this evil to happen to your people. Church, I think it's we need to understand there will be seasons of life. In our faith, in, as individuals and as church, we're living faithful to God's restoration work. We will not see immediate fruit, right? How many months have we been going through the vision series? And getting to talk with the search committee, you know, we, we were pretty clear as to some things we would, were hoping to see long-term in the life of the church. And and I keep having to remind myself, it's been three months, right? Like, it's, it's not like it's been such an amazingly long amount of time that we should feel like we haven't seen God's fruit being born. But there may be moments where, as we are spending this time doing this internal kind of transformational foundational work, it's going to be hard. Like, we're going to want to see other things happen as a result. Okay, and, and, and again, this is not me pounding us if we have those thoughts because here's Moses, right? Moses is our biblical example for a lot of this stuff. Moses is wrestling with this, okay? This is natural for us. But it is, we, we have to understand there, there will be seasons where we feel like, God, we are being faithful to you. Why are we not seeing the fruit that you have promised? It is, it is natural for us to wrestle with that. But we should not assume that just because we're being faithful, we're going to see the fruit immediately. Fruit takes time to grow. And the work that God is doing in restoring us to him is, primarily it's an internal work, right? The Holy Spirit transforming us into his image. It, it's an internal work that bears itself to external works, okay? So that piece is, is always there. But it is a work where, a lot of times we're just having to be patient and letting God do the work through his Holy Spirit inside of us. And, and church, as we close with this this morning, I, I just, here's my heart behind why we would want to address some of this stuff this morning. I, I keep thinking in my conversations with many of you, very, I feel like very few of us are not in a really difficult season right now. That you guys as individuals and your families, there's been a lot that has taken place over the past three months, six months, two years, five years. There's, it's not like everything has necessarily been very easy. And, and sometimes in those moments, typically in the harder seasons more than the easier ones, it's easy for us to feel like, well, God is punishing us for something or God is neglecting us for something. Or it doesn't matter what I try to do to please God, He's just not, He's just not there with me, you know, right there at this moment. Guys, our God does not create brokenness. Brokenness is not something that God does. The brokenness that you and I experience in these struggles, it comes from from our our wrestling with our, our nature of sin. Right? It is our sin that keeps us apart from living life truly and fully with God. And so even though it's a, it, is a, it is something even theologians still don't really quite understand how it works, but even when we are made right with God, we, we eternally, yes, we have our salvation. We will be in his presence someday, and he is within us right now at this minute when our lives are given to him in faith, but we still wrestle with the effects of our sin nature. We still live here in a broken world where sin sin reigns on on this world. So we are still going to suffer the effects, the consequences of sin's brokenness until we are brought back fully into his presence, church. And, And wherever we are in God's presence, that is where there is no pain, no suffering, no hardship. That is where we have joy. So, church, why we would want to address some of these assumptions is unknowingly, when we, we live that way, we're not, we're not led into his presence. I mean, just small example from this week. You can hear that my voice is not fully here. It left on Thursday afternoon while I was driving the bus. I have no clue what happened. I got on the bus. I was talking normal. I got off the bus. Twenty. I had maybe 10% of my voice left. It has been very frustrating as a pastor to not have your voice. So there's been moments this past weekend where I've told God, like, God, I really cannot understand why right before I get to go see my family in Florida that we haven't gotten to see in a long time, right as I'm preparing to get to teach on Sunday morning, why of all things would you take like my voice. Like this is this is really frustrating and and as I'm praying for it to get better, here we are a couple days later. It's it's not fully back, right? You know this is maybe 75%. So it's clearly getting better, but this morning I had to catch myself because I was more mad that it wasn't fully back after 3 days than grateful to God that any of it had come back at all. I mean this I wrestle with these assumptions even on small things like you know, your voice disappearing for no reason. Just because I assume, God, yes, if I'm faithful to what you're doing, then things should be easy. I shouldn't have to wrestle with simple things like, can I talk today or not, right? But, but this, is, this is where we find ourselves in the reality of, of living in a broken world. In church, we do not need to make life more difficult by living under these assumptions. I did not need to wake up this morning and be upset with God because my voice wasn't fully here, right? Like These assumptions, if they lead us to miss his presence, that just magnifies the pain and the suffering and the hardship that we are going through. We do not need to make that harder on ourselves than, than it, it may be because we, we deal with sin. So church, as we face the unknown together, I mean, to God be the glory for whatever gets to happen next, right? Whatever he reveals to us, whatever we get to see, whatever hard moments he uses to draw us into a deeper relationship with him, to him be the glory, because ultimately, church, this this is what we are working towards, is being people made right with God. And so may we not not have assumptions that cause us to miss where he is at. We may not assume we will gain earthly comfort, maintain earthly standing, or bear immediate fruit in God's restoration work. So a couple ways we can respond as the praise team comes back up to lead us in our closing song this morning. A couple ways to respond. Uh, I have a uh, evaluation question for you guys to ask this week. What would be hard for you to give up if God called you to leave it behind? You know, if we have this, this assumption we're going to gain earthly comfort, and, and you know, we kind of heard throughout several of the points a struggle to let go. Well, just what's hard for us to let go of? I mean, if that's in our nature, it's good for us to call that out before God. So spend some time this week thinking about it. Church, I would encourage you, a way to respond this week, read Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse 17, and read all the way through chapter 20, verse 16, and just simply take some notes on what Jesus says following him will look like and the different struggles we're going to have. Okay, you're going to see a lot of what we talked about come up that Jesus addresses as well. God is not unaware of our struggles. He's not distant from them. And it's cool to see how in this passage, Jesus speaks directly to them. And lastly, just for for us to pray this week, pray for for God to reveal where he is at work, restoring your life and how he desires you to join him in that work. God, as you're teaching us through hard moments where you are, just draw us in to your presence. Father, as we, we move into a time of, of just kind of meditating and reflecting as we go, as we prepare our hearts to respond today and, and this week, Lord, I ask that you, would, that you would show us where you are at work. Lord, that you would continue to show us even in our own hearts and minds, Lord. Lord, maybe some of the, the things that we assume just aren't helpful. Lord I'm grateful that as your holy spirit transforms us into your image God it's it's difficult because you bring things up within us that we're not we don't we don't like Lord but father I I am grateful for you this morning that when you reveal those things it's it's not out of a place to shame us out of a place to just keep us beaten down Lord you bring transformation. You bring healing. You bring restoration, God, as we bring these burdens to you that, that you reveal to us. God, you take them. You take them and you replace them with your Son. Father, that we are putting off an old nature. We are being renewed through your Spirit. We are putting on the likeness of Christ, as Paul puts it. God, we are we are humbled and we are grateful before you this morning. Show us how we can be faithful to your work this week. In your holy name we pray.